Youthscape podcast, a podcast for Christians who work with young people. and lovely listeners and welcome back to another episode in the Youthscape podcast, uh, the longest running podcast about youth ministry in the world. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, it's probably not true. Maybe in the UK. Might be in the UK. Yes, let's claim it for the UK. And my name is Rachel Gardner and with me as ever is my lovely friend Martin Saunders. Just, How are you just friends, just yeah. friends, but just to be clear. Um, <laughs> so this morning Rachel and I went to get a drive through coffee together yes, we did. and uh, my order at a certain well-known coffee with a mermaid on it yeah. um, place is um is a blonde roast latte which right? makes me giggle every time I yeah. have to order that and so you had to order it for me and so as we drove through she went she went yeah yeah he's got a bit of a thing for blondes <laughs> and I think it's hilarious because your yeah, wife has dark brown hair yeah she does your as children we, will have brown hair as we drove away I thought <laughs> Rachel that that would that joke would have landed better if you weren't blonde. <laughs> That's why I said it. Also, Deeply I, uncomfortable in the car after that. It makes me that. laugh to make you deeply uncomfortable. I'm very happy about that. Um, what I love about drive through is like my rule of thumb is I'm the, always the first to speak into the, the box. <laughs> I, I, yes. I don't wait. I, I say hi. I noticed that. Hi there. She drove up to the inanimate object <laughs> that has a speaker in it, yeah. but clearly they've not switched it on yet. Care. And she was like, "Hello, morning, morning. How are you? you yeah. Okay. There's no Testing. one. There was Testing. no one there. No, I, there was no one there. I, li- I like. Why did you? Why do you want to get the first word in? I don't know what it is. I think probably it is something about my personality. I think we I'm all know what it is. It. Yeah, yeah. Really. My little question to you is: Have you ever um, made a decision around something in youth ministry, and you thought it was a really good idea, but as you brought it to the young people and you looked at their faces, <laughs> you suddenly thought? Oh my goodness, this is the biggest mistake. Games. Games. Oh my gosh. Do you know what? I can't remember the I can't remember the game, but I'd conceptualized a whole game around uh, you know, basically sort of stuck in the mud but with zombies. And and they had to become a zombie uh, if they got caught. And it was a great idea until we played it. And it didn't work at all. But I had a room full of teenagers all trusting me. No, no, they were all trusting me. This was going somewhere. But it was a game that couldn't, it didn't work. I could see that the game didn't work. (laughs) And it was just unraveling. And after about five minutes of them pretending to be zombies and chasing each other around, I had to say, I've just realised this game doesn't work. (laughs) And they just all looked at me a bit sadly. Just like, what have you done? Have you you had that moment? My recent one is that I've booked a residential. So basically planning, building up our young people to come to a summer festival. I was like, let's let's get them used to that again. So um, I've booked a night in a local scout camp 20 minutes down the road. Um, And I I was online. I was like, oh, they've got wigwams. Oh, there are fires in the wigwams. So are young people going to be in in wigwams of six with a fire and open? Oh, that's lovely. That's really lovely. Lovely. Booked it, paid for it, brought it to our beautiful drop-in project, looked at their faces as the words open fire came out of my mouth. <laughs> and I just saw all their eyes, like the pyro- the pyrotechnics in the room, like all the, nut- the young people that love fire. Yeah. And they, they do that that TikTok challenge at the moment where they set fire to their fingers. Oh, no. And, I, and as I said these words, I was like, what am I doing? I'm taking young people that I cannot trust with fire. To a play- yeah, so I was, as I was saying it, I was just thinking, I'm cancelling this. I'm cancelling this. 
It's a nightmare. That's, that's what amazing, do I do? Do but I, very do I take you. Them? Do I take them anyway and just have a, a, an adult stationed by the fire at all times? Rachel, before we get to today's interview, mm-hmm. a bit more frivolity, if you don't mind. Oh, yes. Um, I, I'm interested and intrigued about the way subscriptions are entering our lives in more and more invasive and profound ways. So I've got, I've got quite a lot of subscriptions. So I've got, I've got subscriptions to a few different TV things. Mm-hmm. I've got a subscription to uh, a cinema because I go to a cinema more than once a month. So mm-hmm. I, it's actually cheaper to have a subscription. Now, the other day, a certain coffee chain, uh, well, I'll just say pret have been hunting me down. They opened a branch near me, Pret-a-Manger. Oh, and they, Pret-a-Manger Yeah, and they have this coffee subscription. A subscription for coffee? What's... So, here you go. How does that work, This is, this is not an advert, but, say, but 20, £25 a month, okay? That feels like a lot. But for £25 a month, you get up to five coffees a day. So the, the, what they're banking on is the fact that nobody's actually going to get five coffees a day. What really is going to happen is you're going to have it in your wallet and about 10 or 12 times over the month, you'll probably go and get a coffee, but they bank the 25 pounds every month, right? And some months you won't have your 10 coffees and some months you'll have a few more and that's how it works out. But you see, I've become quite obsessive and I, I'm seeing how many coffees I can have in a month. Ooh. And so uh, so I keep finding ways of building a trip to Pret-a-Manger into my day, especially you can take dogs in there. So on the way to, you've, you've got to have a 30 minute break between ordering coffees. How do you know that? Because they said. Okay. <laughs> they said when I tried to <laughs> order another one. They the manager out. Yeah. And you go and talk to that man. But this is it, you see. Now, this, so there's two things at play here. There's one, my money saving urges to mm-hmm. see if I can get value for money. Because if I could get 90 or 100 lattes this month, I've made money right and put on a lot of weight but (laughs) but there's also this other force in play which is my massive social anxiety uh, and social embarrassment so every time i go in there i think oh they've recognized me they're judging me they know i've already been in today they are and now there's certain staff members i avoid because i think they think i order too many and so so i'm at war with myself where do you, what do you think if you had an unlimited coffee subscription? What do you? How do you think you'd operate? Do you think you'd be at the? I'm going to get as many coffees as I can, and I, I won't mind. Well, seeing as I'm as I'm the woman that likes to speak to machines that drive throughs first, I I do you know I normally would have that kind of reaction like you. I definitely center my anxiety and feel that somewhere somehow I'm doing something a bit wrong. Yes, but I think in that scenario I would be oh hi. Uh, you know, it's really nice for them that I've walked in again. I'm, it's I'm nice for them. Customer and I, you're back. Yeah, possibly. I think that's, that's really bad on my ego, but I probably would feel it's a local coffee shop, the kind of the local vibe matters. Yeah. I'd see myself a bit as a chaplain to them. Oh, would you? Yeah, possibly. Chaplain like, you're to facilitating the staff. a chaplaincy, aren't you? What a great idea. It's a nice one. So you can then charge it to your church. That £25 <laughs> subscription could be charged. Now we see how you operate. Yes, no, I don't know how I do, but I am, I'm just gutted that there's no pret manger anywhere near yeah, sorry us. Sorry about that. Well, so it's just coffee. You can't get anything else on it. No. Well, you That's can get sort I, of, you can I get spend like some frappe money. things. Yeah. But yeah, it's just drinks. Yeah. Yeah, but isn't that interesting what we do, the psychology of the meaning we put on something? For those women behind the till and the men behind the till, they, they're they just pressing a button. Yeah. They don't really care that it's you again. Yeah, I think there is one that cares, though. I think there's one that's noticed. But has it been, has it, have you flagged like a does this man have a home kind of? Is yeah, it that I kind think, of level I think of concern? I mean, I, <laughs> so you can get five in a day. And a couple of times I've maxed out and got all five. 
But could you actually get more? Would there be some kind of alarm would go off? Yeah, I guess I guess it would just beep and say you he's already to, had five. You just need to go there. You need to you to face your fear. Go into the space. And try and have most, the sixth coffee. Have the sixth coffee. If worse gets to worse, you've got a little few coins in your pocket. Yeah, you can spend that money. And you're not going to get arrested. So I think Thank just you, take yourself Thank you for this moment see what happens. I'd love, I genuinely love to know where our <laughs> listeners are on this spectrum of anxiety and greed. So, uh, so, so, drop us a line. You can always drop us a line. You know, you can always get in touch. Yeah, always. We read every email. <laughs> it doesn't uh, take long, does it? It's, it's, it doesn't take long. Podcast <laughs> at youthscape.co.uk, or you can find us on social media. There's even a dedicated YS Podcast Instagram account. Oh, if I knew how to use Instagram, I did not know yeah, that. It's got its own. How did it's, I not know? It's beautiful. Have you seen it? No. Oh my word! Flipping it. It is. You should look it up. It's been uh, the 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 genius Ollie Brown, who is our tech and design guy. Tech and design. He's gonna hate that. Mm. Um, He's made it look. If you go to the page, absolutely incredible. I love. We look good. (laughs) My hair is all over the place. (laughs) Right. Should we get into more serious things? I think we should. On this season, we're we're um, we're tackling those challenges aren't we that we face in youth ministry today I so appreciate our guest today because she's allowed us to chat with her about something that is incredibly close to home and um and I and you'll hear in the interview you know her reasons for doing it but I think it it's an example of the solidarity and support that can be nurtured among leaders where we say you might be going through something that feels close to home because it affects your family well I've I know that I've been there and this is my story and this is the grace and the and the strength I found in it and and moving forward so I really appreciate her willingness to say how how do you support young people who are struggling with their mental health and all that goes with that in your youth ministry when when you come home that's your young person's story too and that's you carry that with you into every conversation you go into with young people but how do you put boundaries around that and look after yourself and you know give yourself space to be a parent first um so it's a really really powerful interview from a lovely friend of ours claire bannam if you if you come to national youth ministry weekend you might have been coached by her she's a wonderful coach she's a wonderful youth worker she's passionate about young people who are struggling with all kinds of emotional and mental health issues so this is what happened when I caught up with the wonderful Claire Bannon. Youth workers often tell us they're starved, really meaty stuff when you get to think not just about what you're going to do next week in your youth group, but when you have a chance to explore the why. What are the big challenges in culture and how do we in the church respond? If we don't think about that stuff, we're in danger of just repeating the same old material, but with less impact as young people's world changes. And that's why five years ago, Youthscape teamed up with St. Melitus College to launch the Youthscape St. Melitus Annual Lecture. It's a free evening event where you'll get the deepest and latest thinking about young people and youth work on the evening of may the 15th this year we're holding the 2023 lecture and guess what you're invited to come in person to st Melitus college in london or to listen online all for free Chloe Comby is one of the UK's most admired broadcasters after her award-winning podcast released during lockdown, You Don't Know Me, in which she interviews young people about the issues that matter most to them. Their startlingly honest words about everything, from gender to education, challenged our assumptions about teenagers and what they really believe. In this year's lecture on May the 15th, Chloe will be sharing her latest findings alongside Chris Russell, We'll be exploring their implications for Christian youth ministry. It's your chance to get some really deep insights that take you beyond what game to run next week and help you to step back and see the bigger trends emerging. 
So there are two ways you can attend and both need you to register in advance on the Youthscape website. If you come in person to St Melitis College, you'll get a glass of wine, a goodie bag and a free download of the lecture audio and video to be able to listen again afterwards. If you can't get to London, you can listen online, but you'll also need to register in advance at youthscape.co.uk forward slash lecture. That's youthscape.co.uk forward slash lecture. Tickets are available now, so take your chance to get some really meaty thinking about young people and youth work. Unless you're a vegetarian. In which case you'll get some meat-free corn thinking. Does that work? I'm not really sure. Anyway, see you guys on the 15th. Claire, it's wonderful to have you sat. Can I just say where Martin Saunders was sat? Oh, that's uh, so much nicer. That's good. Next Thank you. you. <laughs> it's okay. We've wiped it down. It's fine. Warm cushion to kind of sit on. It's lovely. <laughs> They're good chairs, aren't they? They are very nice so chairs. You can kind of hide away. Claire, can we start? Could you tell us a little bit about your own journey into youth ministry? Yeah. How did you find yourself here? Golly, yeah. So I was just thinking, I've I've actually been involved in youth work on and off uh, for over 20 years now, which is a bit shocking. Um, so I got first got sort of roped in, if you like, um, on the mission field. So uh, my husband, Richard, and I were newly married and we wanted to serve the church and we ended up doing it in Uruguay in wow. Latin America. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was very exciting. And um, because at the time we were very young, uh, I think it was just a natural fit to kind of say the the team there to say, why don't you help us with our youth work, which was quite extreme youth work. I think I don't I don't think I realized at the time quite how extreme it was, Um, but we were. Um, ministering, serving a community on the outskirts of Montevideo. These were um, communities that had been put together from two different slum kind of flavelas. So um, the community was very dysfunctional because although they had been provided homes, Mm. there was no electricity for a lot of them. There was no running water for a lot of them and very few employment prospects. Plus these two communities were pretty much put together but are still at war mm. so um yeah very extreme you couldn't leave our young people alone for a minute um because we'd come back and find all the light bulbs gone all the uh covers for plugs would be removed i mean just because they were these were desperate times and desperate people um but also home so much fun so, so that much seems fun like an extraordinary launch into youth <laughs> ministry can you give us a tiny little snapshot what what on earth did it look like to be doing youth ministry in that context what were you doing what were we doing so we had a little um a youth house uh, on a so the church compound was two houses on a in a little patch of ground just to the the side of the the sort of housing estate, if you like. Um, and the, the the house at the back was that the youth house. So um, my husband and I got involved in the sort of after school kind of activities, which actually for ran for kind of half a day because of the school system um, out there. Uh, so we would do games and we would do cooking with them, all the kind of things that we would look kind of would look like youth work for us. But we also um, did kind of long-term support of families um, through the community centre. So some work employment programmes for the mums, um, childcare provision kind of around the corner. So there was just all sorts of things that sort of meshed in together to kind of help a community who were really, um, yeah, under pressure. 
under pressure, a community under pressure. In fact, whilst we were there, the banking system collapsed. This is the big banking system collapsed in uh, Brazil and Argentina. And then a very exciting moment for us. Our kids were on, uh, were featured, uh, the young people we were working with were featured on a photograph on the BBC uh, website wow. because there was a riot in our, um, in our community. Oh and we heard a noise one day, we came out and went, Okay, I think we're well, everybody back in, back in now, because there's the police down one end and rioters down the other end. I think we'll uh, we'll step oh back. Goodness, so it was it was really extreme, but also an incredible opportunity to walk with some young people who just had so much um, life and joy and 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 exuberance. Um, so even in these crazy times we just yeah enjoy doing the kind of normal things of mm. life with them you talked about what it was like to work with a community under pressure yeah. quite a powerful image and you guys came back to the UK and that theme of working with young people <laughs> under pressure that theme of the youth house actually mm. that's that sort of shaped you hasn't it and it's carried it's, on yeah. so tell us a little bit about the haven and what and what you've been involved in since yeah so I was a volunteer um, youth leader in my church um, in Wheat Hampstead uh, after my husband and I um, joined the church. My husband is a vicar um, and I sort of started doing uh, some volunteer youth work um, at the church and and then kind of became more and more involved uh, with youth work in the, in the area through the wonderful 267 project and Mike Palin and worked with Mike for, for a while as, as a youth worker in that, in, in that charity. Um, but over time, what happened was there were issues going on in my family to do with mental health and anxiety. Um, and that was also resonating with so many of the young people that I was talking to. And the more I talk to young people, the more we, we sort of started those conversations about anxiety and stress, the more young people chose to talk to us, which I think is often the way, isn't it? Um, and I was just struck by just the, the impact that stress and anxiety was having on those young people's lives, how limited their lives were becoming. Um, and I felt kind of cross about it, to be honest, both for my family and for them. And and that is how I started, well, The Haven, which is now um, we work in uh, partnership with local churches and we go into schools. We in, Well, we train and enable uh, youth workers and volunteers to go into schools and run safe, supportive groups with really practical tools to help equip young people to, to manage and reduce their levels of anxiety. So you've developed The Haven alongside others. Mm. Is a fantastic project that I've been aware of for a few years. Amazing in its own right. Mm. But while this was happening, you were coming home and this mm. was not being left at the door because no. you were experiencing this in your family. Can you tell us a little bit about yeah. what was going on in the family at the time? So I have two amazing um, children who are not children anymore. So Lauren is now 20 and Sam is 18, which is bizarre in its own right. Uh, but um, Lauren, when she was in the sort of second year of secondary school, so year eight of secondary school, um, it became obvious that, uh, that her mental health was really suffering. And I don't think I'd have used that language at the time, to be honest. I just knew that something was deeply wrong. And I remember, I talk about 
often to people about the sort of the birth point of Haven was really this horrible, horrible moment when I was stood outside the school gates with Lauren and she'd just thrown up. Um, she was shaking like a leaf and she just couldn't bring herself to walk into school. It just, she just didn't have, she just didn't have what it took that day to just walk into school. It was too much for her. And as a parent, I just felt helpless. I was like, what do I do to help my daughter navigate something that is clearly just incredibly traumatic for her for one reason or another? Um, and when she could go into school, she found it really difficult to stay in lessons. And this is somebody who Lauren is not... Um, well, mo most people, Rachel, you know my daughter, she's not classically what you would say a nervous, anxious person. Mm. Socially, mm. she is like a lioness. <laughs> she is brave and fearless. And, um, you know, she she navigates kind of situations that I'm in awe of, to be honest, and has done since she was very young. But there's, there's certain triggers for her that she finds incredibly tricky mm. and um that that just bring on this this these sort of physiological responses in her the adrenaline and cortisol of of stress um and unfortunately we're not sure whether we think it's probably the cortisol but one of them her body's views as a toxin oh, wow, so okay. as soon as she gets yeah. this hormone release she starts to throw up mm. Which is really hard because especially as a teenager, you don't want to be drawing attention to yourself in no. these ways. So it becomes this horrible cycle because she can feel herself getting nervous or anxious about something. Then she's aware that she's probably going to throw up and then that's kind of exacerbating the, the anxiety mm. because she doesn't want to throw up. And yeah, so you can imagine it's, yes. it's, a, it's a lot to deal with. So we were going through that and at home... And that was really the catalyst for me thinking, right, who can I signpost to? Who can I trust with Lauren and for the other young people that I'm coming across who need this help? Mm. And I, I just couldn't find an organization that was easily accessible, that didn't have a massive waiting list or wasn't expensive or you didn't have to jump through loads of hoops to get to. But I did find some really amazing tools and, and that's that's, right. That's why I decided, was yes. like, well, maybe this is what yeah. I'm meant to be doing. Can I ask you about that, that mm. moment at the school? And probably there were many other moments. And for anybody listening who you know looks after foster children, your own birth mm. children, that can you tell us a bit what that felt like? Because I, I guess there'd be a sense in which parents have never done youth ministry, mm. maybe stood with their daughter or son, and mm. it's the first time they've ever come across this. Mm. But here you are, you know, you launched <laughs> youth ministry in the most extraordinarily intense pressurized situation. You're not afraid of young people's complex needs mm. and emotional well-being, and you're not without networks and without other youth workers around you. You swim in those waters, and yet in that moment, you're mm. a mum. You're mm. this young person next to you. Um, you know, what, what, what was that? Tell us about the emotional journey that you went on as a leader. Did it reach you in a different space? Like, what, what was going on for you? Well, firstly, it just breaks your heart, doesn't it? Just breaks your heart. Doesn't, and actually. I suppose it breaks it in a special way when it's your own child. But actually it breaks my heart every time I see any young person going through it. 
yeah, I just feel really deeply aggrieved that there's something about, and I, there's something about the way we do the modern world that just is not helpful for our young people. It's not helpful for our children. Um, and that, yeah, it makes me, it makes me angry and it makes me upset and cross and, but I guess, I guess as a youth worker, or maybe it's because of my personality type, maybe it's because I'm an, maybe it's because I'm an activist, I don't know. But my, my default is let's do something. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I think there is a, there is a danger there because I think for a lot of us in ministry, whether that's volunteer ministry or, or full-time paid ministry, there is a deep temptation to basically be the savior, isn't there? Mm. To be the rescuer. Did you find yourself in those spaces? Oh my goodness, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I had a wise friend who, who used to keep telling me, the need is not necessarily the call, Claire. <laughs> wow. Because a lot of us see the need and assume it's our call to do something about it. Um, now it just so happens that I think, I think that, that this ha was definitely the call. Um, I remember sitting in a seminar. So this is so around the time that Lauren was having these sort of struggles, um, and found herself kind of in this situation and we were trying to help her with that. And I was dealing with, with uh, working with more and more young people and asking these questions, you know, who, if, who is going to help them? You know, who? And, um, and I sat in a seminar at New Wine uh, with the lovely uh, Dr. Kate Middleton um, and talking about the teenage brain and she does so brilliantly. Um, and she said this phrase, and she probably doesn't even remember it now, but she said, it is time for the church to step into the gap. Mm. It is time for the church to step into the gap. Because we all know, anybody who swims in these waters knows, there's a huge provision gap mm -hmm. between the numbers of young people who have emotional and mental um, challenges that they are struggling to face on their own mm -hmm. with the help that the national health and all the other sort of provision can provide. It's just massive. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and it was, it was that way even in 2016 before pandemic. So yes. now it's just crazy levels. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that, and that phrase just hit me wow. like an arrow. It was like, God was just giving me this whole kind of like, yes, yes. These things that you've been thinking, yes, it, you can do something oh. about this. So that was a real clarion call for you, mm. wasn't it? These these mm. key moments. Can I ask you how how have you or how haven't you kept yourself healthy and that's taught you to be healthy? How how do you reimagine the boundaries when these are young people you're caring for in your work capacity, but also within your own family? And so the drain for you, the emotional drain, what 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 does that look like for you, Claire? How have how have you overcome those challenges or how are you? overcoming those and keeping healthy as a leader well firstly I guess I have to practice what I preach yeah you know I'm I'm teaching I'm leading young people and helping them to discover practical tools on how to help them be healthy mm -hmm. mind body and soul so I have to be responsible for 
practicing that. And, you know, I am not a creature of habit. So I really struggle with kind of regular habitual kind of good practicing stuff, whether that's spiritual disciplines or just, you know, going to the gym or whatever. I find that really, really challenging. Um, But I found ways that I have to kind of weave that into the fabric of my life so that I do the do. Um, And also I have learned the hard way that I have to surround myself with good people who are going to ask me the tough questions, be that a spiritual director, be that a counsellor, be that, um, you know, mentors and coaches. I really invest my time in making sure I have those people around me who are going to help me kind of make sure that I am practicing what I preach. Brilliant. Um, but as, but there have been times when that's been really, really hard. And when you're balancing a lot of competing kind of needs on your time, especially when one of your own children is desperately sad or anxious, there's a phrase, I don't know who it, I don't know who it comes from, but I, it, I come back to it a lot. And it says, as a parent, you're only as happy as your least happy child. So when one of our, you know, one of your, your own kids is, is, is not in a good way, then it's really hard for you mm. to be mm. in another place, mm. physically, mentally, emotionally, because you're in it with them. Mm. Um, and, and so I've had to make over the years, I have had to make some really tough decisions at times. So there was a, a point where I, I actually pulled back from being a volunteer youth leader in our church, which meant that we had to stop doing youth work in our church for a few years. And that was really, really hard. Mm. I found that very hard, but I had just got to the point where I didn't have enough energy in the tank. And, and that, that was sort of making itself known on many sort of different levels. So, and I, I had been praying about it for a number of years. And the first time I sort of thought, maybe this is, maybe I need to, maybe I need to give this bit up. And I remember sitting with one of my mentors saying, I think I need to give up youth work and church. I'm just being a sodden mess on her sofa. And and she just wisely looked at me and went, you don't seem to be entirely comfortable with that decision, Claire. <laughs> <laughs> what you think? <laughs> and it wasn't the right time. So I kind of like, okay, no, clearly something in me was like, no, I, I need to carry this on for a bit longer. But there came a moment where it just was obvious. I just didn't have enough t- in the, yeah, in the tank. Thank you. Um, Thank you hard. for that. Honestly, yeah, it is tough. And, and can I, can I push you a little bit and ask you a bit about how your, your relationship with youth ministry has changed over the years. You very mm. kindly have sort of given a hint that you've been doing this for about 20 years. And, <laughs> and I see a woman sat in front of me who ain't going nowhere. Like you, you, you're in this, oh, yeah, you're totally. in this for the long haul, whatever it looks. How, how has it shifted as your own life responsibilities have changed, mm. as your own stage of life has mm. changed, as, as your peers have, you know, when, when we're in our 20s, my, in my experience, when I was in my 20s, most people in, my, in their 20s were involved in youth ministry. Mm. I'm now in my 40s. Mm-hmm. I don't, I know very few in their 40s in my immediate mm. network in Blackburn that are involved in youth ministry. Yeah, yeah, They've yeah. graduated to other things. So it's quite a lonely space, mm. um, especially if you say, well, actually, I'm a volunteer. I'm not even leading yeah, yeah, this yeah. thing. How has it changed? How's that relationship changed for you? And how are you, how are you thinking about that change in the years to come as your life changes, your kids grow up and become adults and move out? What, are you 
it op- opens up more opportunities. Yeah. So I'd love to hear. Yeah, answer. I think. I think each each step of the journey, you kind of right. Where am I now, God? You know, how am I being faithful and obedient to what you want from me in this season? And it just, you know, it just shifts, doesn't it, over time? Because that's right and good and proper that God kind of gives us more opportunities and experiences, and we we build up this sort of I don't know treasure chest, I guess, of of skills or just experience and then how does he want us to deploy that can look very different um so yeah when I look back at doing youth work in my 20s when I really didn't know at all what I was doing um I actually yeah, probably still don't know what I'm doing <laughs> <laughs> let's be honest <laughs> um but it was there was a there was a lot of raw energy and and there was probably a bit more of being able to just dedicate a kind of unprotected time yeah, maybe I yeah, didn't yeah, I, I wasn't I didn't have to protect my time so much in my 20s when we were in Uruguay we we're kind of all in it you know mm-hmm. um and then there were the family years where I had small children and, and really little children and I could I could sort of I had to dole that time out really carefully mm. um and I was I was involved with youth work all the way through but I had to do it in tiny little intense bursts if mm-hmm, you like mm-hmm. between being mum to tiny ones mm. um and then it became and then actually the I think for me the joy the joyous season when family life and youth ministry blended mm. and I love that I loved being able to do youth ministry alongside my own kids it was and oh my goodness Doing youth work has been just such a blessing because I think it's made me a better parent. Wow. I think brilliant. I think it has. I think it has. I mean, I I am one of those weirdos. I think teenagers are amazing. Mm. I guess we're I'm amongst friends here. You are. We all, <laughs> we're, all. we're all nerding out on this. <laughs> we're loving it. But you know, actually, for a lot of people, teenagers are very you know, intimidating, weird creatures. Mm -hmm. And yet I got this opportunity to hone my skills with teenagers Mm. before my kids got to be teenagers. Mm. That was amazing. Um, And then, you know, my kids have come on mission with me and done, you know, we've done uh, residentials where they've been young leaders. Um, I was their youth leader for a while, which was a bit odd and a bit crazy at times, but also a joy. and then we got to a phase where they said, actually, mum, I think we need to go and join another church and, and be in the youth group where you're not leading. And I was like, How was yeah, that? that's was, brilliant. Was that gen- generally, Gen- you were like, yes. Genuinely, that was, wow. I mean, it's, yeah, it was a bit like, oh, okay. Because I just, you know, love spending time with them and hanging out with them. But actually it was the right thing for them. And because of my work with 267 Project, um, you know, I already had these close relationships with a number of churches in my area with the youth workers who I, it's, part, it's one of the best bits of my job with 267 as I get to love and support other youth workers, which I just absolutely love doing. Um, so I was just in that very privileged position to be able to say, yeah, go, go, go to St. Paul's. Okay. It's brilliant. You know, that you're, I just, I just celebrated. We just, Rich and I just celebrated the fact they wanted to be part of a church. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so yeah. Fantastic. So yeah. So sorry, gone, gone off a tangent, but I, when I look ahead at this next season, you know, with both, so Lauren's in the first year of university in September, Sam goes to university 
So within a quite a short space of time, we become, you know, empty nesters. Horrible phrase. Um, but I think I'm quite excited. I'm, I'm worried about whether I've just become a workaholic and work every day of the day. But I'm also really excited about what opportunities that lends us. Wow. And to do that slightly unleashed ministry again, but with 20, 25 years yeah. experience in the tank and yeah, what that yeah, would look yeah. like. So just to close this down, I, this has been incredible, Claire. We're just so grateful for your honesty and just giving us wonderful insights into, into the journey. This is not like a flash in the pan, is it? This is walking with young people, looking after your daughter over many years, mm. walking with her. The, the kind of the wisdom that just oozes out of you because of all of this honesty. Let's say someone's listening to this and they're, you know, I've, I have mornings where my children don't want to go to school and it's mm. tough or and mm. I'm, I'm heading into the teenage years with my daughter. What would be a little nugget a little thought that you think, oh, I just love that to sort of wash around in someone's mind. If they're facing their own parenting or caring responsibilities that, that feel like it's providing a bit of a limitation or a, a, a kind of a, a focus in their life that, that means, oh, I can't do youth ministry like I was doing it. I have caring responsibilities and the, this is painful, this is hard. What might be something you want to say to them? In this season, Rachel, that's about three questions. In oh, it one. is. I'm great. I'm brilliant at it. I line them all up, and then I'm like, <laughs> basically, what do you want to say? Someone listening to this is in that space that you were a few years ago. I'm feeling. How mm. do I navigate this? I think don't look up at the top of the mountain. Just what's the next step? What's the next step? And I think that's that's for you as a parent or a youth worker or ever, anybody anybody who's feeling a bit overwhelmed and I regularly feel like that um so I have learned and I have a little mantra what's not the top of the mountain what's the next step and actually that also relates to that young person or child who's really struggling because of anxiety because what for whatever reason that they're anxious their brain will be going into kind of a meltdown. Mm. And we, with Lauren, we learned that when she was highly anxious, when all, she was on big time red alert panic stations, actually to just say, right, what's the next thing you can do? Mm. Can you, can you just brush your teeth now? Okay, you can brush your teeth. Let's not worry, don't, don't worry about it. Just, just, let's just brush teeth. Mm. Not worry about the rest. Okay, you've brushed your teeth. Okay, what's the next thing you could do? And bit by bit, you can break it down until you find actually you are at the top of the mountain. Mm. And what I will say is that we know that Lauren has been able to be at places and events and meet people that have changed her life because we use that approach. Mm. Because she's been able to get through the voices in her headset that say, no, it's too much. No, go back to bed. No, just hide, mm. run away. We've been able to break it down step by step. And she has therefore been at the places where I truly genuinely believe God meant her to be. Mm. and that's an amazing thing Claire what a gift thank you so much I think you've given so much to so many of us and if people want to 
get a little bit of you, more of you in their life. <laughs> Find out what you what your socials. Tell us about the Haven. What, yeah, what look they? up um, Hayes. Oh my gosh, get my mouth around the words. Mm-hmm. Uh, look up Haven Resilience uh, on Instagram um, or thehaven.uk. So thehaven.uk brilliant. for our website. Brilliant. Thank you, Claire, so much. Yeah, brilliant to be with you. Thank you. Great interview, Rachel, and uh, and great thank you again to Claire for being so honest and vulnerable and hopeful as well. Um, just kind of reflecting on some what you talked, something you talked about in the interview there. Um, you know, we've been between us involved in youth ministry for. Ooh. I mean, I don't want to say it, but getting on for fifty years. Yeah, add up my five years with your like forty-five. <laughs> no, but you're right. No, between us, we have nearly. It's getting a few on for it. Eras <laughs> and and you know. Yeah, when I reflect on it, I'm a different youth leader now to the kind of youth leader that I was. Not just in terms of I'm more experienced, like the way that I relate mm-hmm. to them, the, the way I present myself to young people is different to how I did it when I was 25. And are you conscious of that? Is that something that you've just instinctively evolved? I, so I've, I'll tell you what, I've observed it. I haven't intended it. So I've realized that I've very much become the grumpy dad you know, so I think I was causing a lot of mischief. You're still in the mischief making phase. In many ways, you haven't grown up, but <laughs> yes. I'm not there anymore. I'm not much fun. Like I, like I'm, a, I'm quite fun one to one, but organising the rabble, I'm now the voice that's more kind of like shut up, sit down. We're trying to do something organised here. You know, I'm I'm usually the one that gives the telling offs now. Sometimes tellings off are needed, you know, in youth ministry. Yes, but that, yes. that used to be someone else. It used to be a grown up that did that. And I think I've started to do it more. You are the grown up that everyone needs to check with. Has 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 Martin seen that yeah, the I football am. went through the, the, the panel in the ceiling? Is that Have you been to my that? youth ministry? That's literally oh, gosh. <laughs> that's literally what's been happening. Well, um, we've nearly been fired from our booking oh because of it. Oh my goodness! But I, you know, yeah. that, somebody needs to be that person though to release now. the rest to do what they do. But also, I think there's probably something going on there, which is I'm not trying to perform in a way that I probably was at 25, 27. I think I was desperate for the kids to look up to me, not as a not as a sort of parent figure, mm. but as a you know cool older brother. Why on earth did oh, I think I was a cool older brother, mm. a role model of some sort? And uh, now I don't. I don't need that anymore. And so I don't pursue it. So I think the way I... What about you? Well, no, I'm going to keep it on you, actually, because okay. I feel like me and Claire chatted oh, quite a no. bit about us. So that that is a really positive um, perspective on that. And it's true what you just said. If you are really honest, is there anything that you feel you've lost yeah as well and what and what would you love to have back that the years have robbed or just or just <laughs> the, 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 the locusts have well, eaten well just the up at 6 a.m getting all yeah. your kids or whatever yeah. your responsibilities are so that by the time you get to do any youth ministry oh like actually there's very little left in the tank yeah. um you know what what's what's been lost well i was way? i think i was higher capacity when i was younger just in terms of what i could realistically do in a day i could still be wide awake and full of energy at eight nine o'clock mm-hmm. um whereas i think probably a little bit of the zany fun energy has disappeared from my youth ministry <laughs> this may be connected to why i'm stepping down but um but i but i don't think that means you have to step down i just think i realistically i can't play that role anymore so i 
I am quite tired when I get to, you know, Wednesday evening when we do our our work. You're right. Like I've I've done breakfast with my kids at seven in the morning. Mm -hmm. I probably got up before that to sort out those blasted dogs. A little bit of dog chat for those who have requested it. And also, you know, to do a little bit of work before the day starts. Then I'm into kids. Then I'm into the day. Then I'm probably doing a bit of after school stuff. Then five o'clock comes around and I'm going off to church to do some youth groups. Mm. I'm tired. Mm-hmm. I'm really tired. So so what does that eat? I guess a little bit of that zany energy, a little bit of headspace to be able to create something different and innovative. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm lame at games. Lame I'm a guy. I wrote a book of games for youth ministry which people keep telling me is good. And I always feel like a complete fraud because I'm like, I can never think of a game. You thought of that zombie game. The zombie game didn't work. But that is, it it is partly the years of doing this. And also youth ministry comes around really regularly, isn't it? It It's like every week, it's every Tuesday afternoon. And it's amazing how that, if we want to kind of sustain that over 30, 40 years and be innovative and also make sure that our younger, enthusiastic you know, teams that don't have maybe other life responsibilities are not taking on our tiredness. Because I've noticed that, that I want them to be zany and not so time precious. Um, so I want them to be, have boundaries, but I, but I also want not to come in saying, oh, I'm so tired. And because that's then they start saying, oh, I'm so tired. And you don't want that culture in there, do you? So it's only your you, own well, space. You, you don't. One thing that that makes me think, which is slightly maybe a, a strange diversion to take is, if we have agreed that in future youth ministry is going to be increasingly volunteer-led, the role of curriculum and programming stuff that you can pick up and run mm-hmm. without very much preparation time yeah, is going to get more and more Absolutely. important. But I don't see, when I look around the youth ministry world, I do not see an increased investment in those things. I actually see it's tailing off a bit. Yes. Why is that? Is that because so often those of us in these organisations have just got so used to making it up on the fly? Yeah. Well, we not not necessarily making it up on the fly. I think what we do is we 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 look down on ready to use mm-hmm. as a bad a bad word. It's not Swear a word, words. is it? Three words. Yeah. I think we look down and we think, oh gosh, if you're really, I've heard yes, myself say really this. Serious about young if people. If you're really serious about your young people, yeah. it's all got to be bespoke. Yeah. It's all got to be for them. Which I think if you've got. 40 hours in a week to give to youth ministry. Yes, you can be writing bespoke sessions. If you're a volunteer and you're doing this in your extra time or you're a part-time with very little time to give to this, you can't really be writing your own sessions every week. You will burn yourself out. And that's what I've done. So, so if, I've been writing my own yes, stuff for years, for years and it's, it's just got to a point so where it's unsustainable. So we're now launching a new resource. Yeah, there we yeah. go. That is we're your not, challenge. We're not. We're not Put the books resource. to one side. Let's we're get not. a resource. I think we need to wrap it up there. There's so much in that today and, and so much to go away and to reflect. Reflecting on you know, how has your youth, your involvement with youth ministry changed over the years for you? What does that look like? Where what's What headspace are you in now? What season? are you in now and what would it look like to be a healthy leader good questions so i think it's time to wrap up this huge episode what a good one so much to go away and think about martin how are you going to reflect on this uh, actually doesn't matter i don't really care no so i, <sighs> I was gonna say well, i was gonna do a seamless oh, ending you? oh fantastic can you let me do the seamless yeah. ending by listening to the voice of uh, another one of our wonderful youth ministry unsung heroes goodbye hello my name's dan i'm a priest in the Church of England, um, part of the church, I'm a youth worker, I work for Snormans Diocese. I just want to tell you real quick about someone that made a difference in my life. When I was um, a teenager, I was kind of in and out of church. 
felt like I had this up and down faith, loved playing football, where that kind of got in the way on Sundays. Um, but I actually came back to church and made my own choice to do that. And a big part of that was this alpha group that was part of it. It was me and two other friends. And I remember these two volunteer youth leaders, Roger and Andy. Andy's actually passed away now, um, but Roger's still about, and I managed to speak to him about this. But every week they would listen to our questions they would answer our questions or have a go at answering them, but allow us to prod them, to ask difficult questions. And most of all, they just showed up every Sunday and we had Pringles and Coke. And as a teenager, I just knew these guys were for me. So yeah, that's my story. Martin, have you got any left on your twenty-five pounds thing that we could grab? Any more coffees I left mean, over? I mean, I, I, there's a little bit of me that wonders if this was this episode that we were talking <laughs> about it. I think it's very long. <laughs> I just think it might have been a different <laughs> episode that we were talking about. So sorry, David. Okay. Wigwam holidays is wigwam. What does wigwam mean? Uh, wigwams more permanent structures. Uh, wigwam. Let's see. Is wigwam offensive? <laughs> Are you recording all this? I am. Yeah. <laughs> it folds. I like to see you wiggle, wiggle.